Hi, my name is Sparrow. I'm 11 years old, and my favorite thing about the Hollywood Tower of Terror is the drop. Hi, I'm Stitch. I'm nine years old, and my favorite thing about Hollywood Tower of Terror is getting off the ride. And I'm Tony, their Disney dad, and my favorite thing about Tower of Terror is the theming. Welcome to a special episode of Disney Discussions. Hello! You are the listeners on a most uncommon podcast about to ascend into your very own episode of Disney Discussions. One stormy night long ago, a man and his two boys stepped through the door of an elevator and into a nightmare. That door is opening once again, and this time, it's opening for you. You are about to discover what lies beyond the fifth dimension, beyond the deepest, darkest corner of the imagination, in the Tower of Terror. Welcome to episode 40 of Disney Discussions. Okay, I wouldn't say dark and stormy when we started this podcast. It was just dark. It was it's stormy. It's raining outside. It, it well, no, it's raining. Well, when we started the podcast, it wasn't raining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. It's no, it wasn't. All morning. It's been raining all morning. Yeah. No, well. Oh, not, not when we. Uh, yeah, when we. The first we, episode, <laughs> the first episode <laughs> it wasn't raining. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. We have a special episode. This is episode 40 of the Disney Discussions podcast. Uh, Disney Discussions, the family friendly podcast for me, Tony the Disney Dad, and my two boys. Sparrow. Ditch. Talk about all things Disney, but today we're going to talk about all things Tower of Terror. And I had my birthday on March 1st. If you were listening carefully in the beginning, I said I'm nine years old. Yep, that's right. All right, so this format that we're going to do is going to be completely different. We're just going to go right into Tower of Terror, talk all about the Tower of Terror, and we're going to have some special guests join us as well. Yes. Not live recordings, though. And you may have realized I said getting off the ride in the beginning because I do not like the ride one bit. I wish I was not on this one. Yeah, this is one of my favorite rides. This is one of Sparrow's favorite ride. Not one of Stitch's favorite rides. My ride. least favorite ride <laughs> in the entire park. It's my second favorite. But that's okay. We could and still talk about all it. of Walt Disney World. It's my least favorite. It's my least favorite ride in all of Walt Disney World. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's get into the history of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Don't even say it. So the story of Disney's Twilight Zone Tower of Terror starts in the early 80s, believe it or not. A second phase of development was being designed for Disneyland Paris, then called Euro Disney. Included was a freefall type ride in Frontierland that was to be named Geyser Mountain. It would have been part roller coaster, part freefall ride that shot guests up in a vertical shaft. That would have been cool. Yeah. A team of Imagineers had been tasked with creating new pavilions at Epcot. And one of those plans included something called the Great Movie Ride. Newly appointed Disney CEO Michael Eisner liked the plan so much, he decided that this new ride shouldn't be in Epcot, but should be part of a completely new park. This new park would be a studio backlot theme park dedicated to Hollywood and entertainment. To really stand on its own, MGM Studios would need a big e-ticket attraction. Several attractions have already been proposed, including Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers, which would be later made into Indiana Jones Adventure at Disneyland. Still needing a major e-ticket attraction, the idea of a drop drop shaft ride came up and was chosen. There had been several proposed ideas for haunted attractions, including a ride based on Stephen King's novels, a Vince Price ghost tour, a Mel Brooks narrated ride, a real hotel, and a whodunit murder mystery, but n- none progressed into development. In 1989, movie director Mel Brooks 
Disney CEO Michael Eisner, park designer Marty, Marty Scalar, Imagineer C. McNair Wilson, and a group of Imagineers meant to discuss plans for the park's first expansion and first thrill ride. Numerous ideas were kicked around for the new park section. One early and prominent idea was a castle young Frankenstein attraction, complete with Bavarian Village and Drawbridge leading to the castle. This idea morphed into Mel Brooks's Hollywood Horror Hotel. Early in Park's development, Imagineer Bob Weiss had pursued the idea of an Art Deco high-end 1930s-style hotel near the park's entrance. Mel Brooks left the project, but the idea of a spooky hotel had stuck, and Disney's team looked at available movie and TV licenses and found a perfect match, the Twilight Zone. Now we're going to hear from Jacob and David from the Kingdom to Kingdom podcast about their thoughts on Tower of Terror. I'm Jacob. I'm David. And we are the hosts of the Kingdom to Kingdom podcast. That's right. And we love Tower of Terror. That's right. What do you like about it, David? So Tower of Terror for me is in the category of perfect Disney rides. And when I say that, uh, I mean things like Splash Mountain, I've said is a perfect Disney ride. You've got the atmosphere. It's kind of a dark ride thing. You've got the drop. Uh, so you got the thrills. You got the characters. You know, the IP is in there. But Tower of Terror does it while doing something with uh, a spooky IP that most people uh, now really haven't watched that much of. Twilight Zone is not something that I think, uh, you know, everybody has watched. We might know about it, and we might have seen kind of the pop culture influence of it, but it's not something uh, a lot of people, especially kids, have grown up with, but they make it work. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because I remember as a kid watching especially around Christmas and New Year's, they would always have these marathons of the Twilight Zone on uh-huh. sci-fi. Uh, and I would watch those all the time and really enjoyed them. And so I really enjoy the uh, Twilight Zone IP. And there's just something about the all the details in that lobby. And oh, yeah, in the boiler room. In the boiler room. And then throughout the ride, just how it especially the Disney World version where Mm -hmm. your elevator goes up and then forwards. And I don't know, there's just something so unique about the mechanics of the ride. It's not just like something you'd see at Six Flags where you are strapped to a pole and it goes up and down. It's they really thought about the story behind it. And I love that. Right. And I think Tower of Terror is a blueprint for how Disney can operate in the future, uh, satisfying all types of fans. You grew up with Twilight Zone watching it. Uh, We're enough separated by age that we were able to watch different things growing up. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I didn't ever really watch the Twilight Zone. I I can say I've probably seen like two or three episodes my whole life. Um, But I'm able to get the entire vibe, the whole mood of the show. I get the setup. I get what it's trying to convey. And I'm able to experience the whole story just through the ride itself. So Tower of Terror is my like main connection to the Twilight Zone. It's the thing that I've experienced the most of the Twilight Zone from. So, you know... Disney's able to create that entire experience for fans and non-fans alike, where it's whole from beginning to end. It's kind of miraculous. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that goes into, like you said, the category of perfect attractions. It needs to stand on its own, and the Tower of Terror totally does. And speaking of standing on its own, the exterior of that building is so well done. It's so like imposing at the end of the street there of Sunset. Uh, Boulevard when you're in Hollywood Studios. It's such an icon. I mean, it's been made the icon of Hollywood Studios. As it should be. Which, fairly, I mean, it just, it looks incredible, and just looking at the building, you get the story. Mm -hmm. You understand what's going on, what I'm headed towards in this attraction, and I 
I think that's something really cool. Right. It's one of those that, you know, I feel like there are a lot of rides that, that have a great atmosphere in the queue. And then when you're walking up to it, you kind of get a bit of the story uh, beforehand, but they always kind of feel like lines, right? They feel like themed lines. Uh, Disney's been mm-hmm. getting better and better at that, but Tower of Terror is a story from beginning to end. You feel like you're walking into a creepy hotel. You feel the the the, the bellhops are in character, oh, yeah, and they are being they are setting the tone and the mood for you as you're walking through. It's it's a it's a testament to what can be done in a theme There's, park. It's it's crazy. Um, whenever you're out in kind of the garden before you get mm-hmm. into the actual lobby. There are so many details. Whenever you're standing in line, just take, you know, I mean, you're, you have the time. You're standing there, but just take a look around and you look at all, the you know, there's there's a little uh, uh, pond kind of pool area that's, you know, of course, empty because no one's been there. Right. It's an abandoned hotel and just all the little details, the cracks and the vines, and it, they do a really good job down to the music. It's great. It's, it's just got thing, 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 thing. You know, you could talk yeah, about this forever, in- which uh, hopefully you listeners of this podcast, I get to hear lots of people talk about this forever. Uh, right. But yeah, it's it's not only the atmosphere, not only the storytelling, but the thrill aspect of it, the randomized drops, the the, the opening of the door so you can see right before you drop the, the, the height that you're at and you can see over yeah. the park. Like all of those things are things that they did not need to include to have a drop you ride, right? Mm-hmm. But every little one of those things stacks up to make it kind of the perfect attraction. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's just a ton of details that really you don't even notice all of them, mm-hmm. but each of them is important that it's there, uh, and it really adds to the bigger picture. Absolutely. Tower of Terror, perfect theme park attraction. All right, thanks, Jacob and David from Kingdom of Kingdom Podcast. Yeah. Be sure to check them out. We appreciate it, and we're going to have other special guests join us along the way. Yeah, all wrong. What they do they have wrong? It. Yeah. And it's horrible. Not, <laughs> Halloween, fall is probably my least favorite time of the year because of Halloween. I'm not a spooky guy. Right. I so am. this isn't the ride for you, but we no. love it. All right. So Walt Disney Imagineering eventually took inspiration from Rod Sterling's anthology stories featured in The Twilight Zone as a foundation to for their original story. This is a brand new story at the Tower Tower. It wasn't in one of the episodes. You guys, have you guys ever seen Tower... Uh, Twilight Zone episodes? No. No. It would probably freak uh, Stitch out a little too much. Not me. I've seen a Garfield something called the Lasagna Zone. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's like from Garfield and Friends. Uh Garfield spilled lasagna on a dish, and he went inside the TV, and he woke up on the couch like it was all a dream. But in the thing, Odie dropped the remote. It it crashed, and then Garfield had a scarf on. Uh And when he woke up, he had a scarf on, and the remote crashed. Yeah. that's the big thing with with uh, Twilight Zone is there's these twists and these unexpected things like that would happen. Like you think it was a dream, but then it turned out not to be a dream. Imagineers muse that the attraction would be able to take guests into the fifth dimension that Sterling always described as unlocking in every episode of the series. With the project in firm development, Disney licensed the right to use Twilight Zone intellectual property from CBS. The Imagineering team settled on a 1930s-era Hollywood hotel with a Twilight Zone theme, but a new ride system had to be built, which would allow both more capacity inside the ride and make the drop fast. Otis Elevator Company created the vertical ride system, and Eaton Kenway a ride vehicle, uh, developed a ride vehicle that would drive itself horizontally. Joe Dante directed the ride's short pre-show film. Do you know who Joe Dante is? No. 
I definitely noticed I'm not. He's not looking it up right now. <laughs> he uh, directed Gremlins. If you guys Which know I Gremlins, seen, Gremlins but Two. I, I know what it is. He directed Looney Tunes back in action. Oh. Yeah. So he's done some stuff you guys know. He did like the Twilight that. Zone. He did the Twilight Zone movie uh, in 1983. So he had some familiarity with this. Yep. I, I like back in action better than um, Space Jam. Yeah. Disney felt Rod Sterling needed to be part of this attraction since he was such a big part of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Although he had died almost two decades earlier. In, one, in order to have Sterling in the attraction, Disney opted to hold auditions to cast its voice, with Carol Sterling, Rod's wife, serving as a consultant for the casting. After many auditions, Mark Silverman was chosen by Rod's wife to provide her husband's voice. The archival footage of Sterling used in the pre-show was taken from the episode It's a Good Life. Silverman would later reprise the voice role for additional lines for Disney California Adventure attraction. He also reprised the voice of Sterling for season two, episode nine of the TV series Medium, in which Rod Sterling asked the audience to put on uh, 3D glasses to enjoy the episode. And now we're going to hear some thoughts about Tower of Terror from Jared and Jamie from the Capture the Magic podcast. Hey guys, this is Jared and Jamie Lee from the Capture the Magic podcast. Hello. Well, and Diz Dudes and trip tales but anyways uh so we have uh tony asked us to talk about our favorite memory or reasons why we love or hate tower of terror so uh i'll let jamie go first here go first yeah okay so i i love tower of terror for for two main reasons the first one is i love the era or the time period that it takes place in like the old hollywood kind of cryptic looking it's very fascinating to me so i love the aesthetic of the whole big tower of the hotel itself like looking down sunset and seeing it i love that it's it's awesome the second reason i like it is because it's scary fun because every time before i go on it i get scared first and then once i ride it i'm like yes that was so much fun but i always 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 get scared to ride it i don't know i think it's the the dropping of my stomach multiple times or whatever but that's me i like it scary fun and the era uh for me i don't like this ride in fact i've never ridden it because i hate the feeling of my stomach dropping so for me i yeah it just wouldn't be my bag but i will say if they ever do um the marvel layover like they did in disneyland with guardians i would ride it then because i'm a huge marvel fan so that would get me on it but i do love like we've talked about before the old hollywood feel that you get in the outside of it and the, and the stuff that they do on the tower for like christmas and stuff mm-hmm. i like all the stuff associated with it i just don't like being dropped from multiple stories personally i mean that's understandable yeah but. they do have events that they hold out in that courtyard area yeah um it's expensive but they do do those and that would be kind of fun to do i just it just looks nice and that that scary music the the like the like tortured violin is kind of nothing says disney like tortured violin (laughs) (laughs) whatever (laughs) yeah so that's our reason so uh thank you tony and the boys for uh for having us on to talk about this and uh we will talk to you guys later thanks bye all right, so Jared doesn't like the ride just like you, Stitch. So you're in good company with him. Yep. You and him. So Disney legend has it that a ride designer rode an early version of the tower and said, if my tie doesn't fly up in my face, it's not good enough. Okay. So he wanted to like fall fast. No. What you do, you no. fly out of your seat a little bit. Yeah, definitely. You do. A, des- Here. a descent. What? You do this. Flip your tie up <laughs> on, your on your own. I don't. On I don't want to work on this anymore. Flip. It works. <laughs> it's like, it's like, do, do, 
It worked! No, it's one of those kitty free falls. Uh, this is too boring to work on. Flip. It worked, guys! <laughs> <laughs> a descent at normal free fall speed wasn't thrilling enough, so the ride's design eventually came to feature a faster than gravity pull. That's right. You aren't free falling in Tower Tower, you're being pulled down at 30 miles an hour. So you're not just, it doesn't just let you go, it's actually like pulling the car down. That's why you kind of. Like you said, uh, Sparrow, lift out of your seat for for a second. It has a, those handles on the side that you can like, hold ah! onto. Now, I wonder if they had a case where it went too fast, where a guy like flew up and hit the ceiling. Well, huh? that's why you have seatbelts on. I know. Because no, you actually, I think you probably you might be able to. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I forgot my snacks. He unbuckles the ride starts. Boom! Ow! <laughs> Oops, there's my snacks. Well, <laughs> we'll hear later from Jeremy from Main Street Magic and Diz Dudes uh, that when he went on, he took on chain. Well, you'll hear about it. Site clearing and prep began in early 1992. A sinkhole led to the site being moved slightly, and the tower's interior and exterior design work took inspiration from existing Southern California landmarks, including the Biltmore Hotel and Mission Inn. The distinctive Spanish colonial revival architecture features on and around the attraction's roof were designed so that the rear facade, which is visible from Epcot, would blend in with the skyline of the Morocco Pavilion. Oh, so if you're in Epcot and you look towards Morocco, the Tower Terror kind of blends in with it. So they, they knew that, and they designed it in a way that Wait, it would what? blend in. We have to look huh? so, to see if we can see it. Yeah, Epcot and Hollywood Studios are pretty close together. Yeah. But Tower Terror is going to be so tall, they realized you're going to see the building from Epcot. That's cool. So they blended in the back to make it look like part of Morocco in Epcot. Oh, come on. What? I wanted to see I wanted to see if I could see it. You, could, you, you still can see it. You can be able to it. tell it. You oh, be able definitely, because it'll be farther away. Yep. The original version of the attraction opened in Hollywood Studios. Uh, well, why don't you tell us that? When did it open, uh, Sparrow? The original version of the attraction opened at Disney's Hollywood Studios um, in Walt Disney World, obviously, mm -hmm. in um, July of 1994. That's right. And was the basis of the 1997 television film of the same name. Several scenes were actually filmed at the attraction. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that, that TV... Um, TV special is not very good. Uh, they didn't do a good job. <laughs> All right. Do you have some some more facts about the Tower of Terror, Sparrow? Yes. It is 199 feet tall. That's not good for you if you're afraid of heights like me. <laughs> um, you drop 130 feet. No, you get pulled down. <laughs> <laughs> um, it opened in California Adventure um, in May 2004 and closed January 2017. So, over two years. Two years ago? Yeah. And the Florida version is the second tallest attraction at Walt Disney World. Only Exhibition Everest being taller by 0.5 feet. Oh, wow. And at the Disneyland Resort, the 199-foot um, structure, which um, houses Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout now, is the tallest building at the resort, as well as one of the tallest buildings in Anaheim. There you go. Cool. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the ride system. The ride system of Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Disney's Hollywood Studios uses special technology developed by Walt Disney Imagineering, particularly the ability to move the vehicle in and out of the vertical shaft. Right, The elevator cabs are self-propelled automated guided vehicles, which lock into separate uh, vertical motion cabs. So, you know, part of the ride, you go up a little bit yeah. and then you move forward mm -hmm. in Hollywood's... Um, in yeah. Hollywood Studios. It, it never happened in the other parks, I don't think. Oh. So you move forward, you kind of go through a show scene. It's like part dark ride in there too, which is oh, a yeah. really cool show scene. And then you your vehicle locks into the shaft, you go up, and then you get pulled down. 
Pew. Yep. The cabs can move in and out of the elevators horizontally, like we said, move through the fifth dimension scene and on to the drop shaft. The Florida ride runs on a unique loop system with two identical ride systems built within the tower. There are four shafts in the back section of the building containing the dark ride portion of the attraction. After the corridor scene, the four shafts merge into two with identical fifth dimension scenes and then a cab enters the single drop shaft. After the drop sequence, the elevators unload in the building's basement, then return to one of the show shafts to reload the next guest. In order to achieve the weightless effect the Imagineers desire, like we talked about, cables attach to the bottom of the elevator and pull it down at a speed slightly faster than what we freefall. The world's oldest and most famous elevator manufacturer, Otis Elevators, contributed to the design of the freefalling elevator. Oh, that's cool. Yep. All right, let's hear from Jeremy now from Main Street Magic and Diz Dudes podcast and his memory of Tower Terror and the reason why he loves the ride so much. Hey, what's up? This is Jeremy from the Main Street Magic Podcast, the Diz Dudes, and the Capture the Magic Network. And I actually have two things that I'd love to share about Tower of Terror. Uh, one is a memory, and then one is a reason why I absolutely love this ride. Uh, if you go all the way back to 1997, uh, I was a senior in high school, and we went on our spring break, actually, down to Disney while everybody else was going to, like, Daytona Beach and going out and partying and doing all these different things. Uh, we actually decided to go to Disney World. And I remember me and my friends uh, going on Tower of Terror over and over and over again. We would get off. Uh, and we would walk right back around through the standby queue and we would ride it again. Uh, we never had a long wait at that point uh, over 20 years ago, which was awesome. And one of the things we did, and I'm going to say I do not recommend you do this, but we were 17-year-old kids and dumb, um, is when you go on because it actually pushes you down faster than a free fall. It's not just gravity. It's f actually forcing you down faster uh, than you would normally fall. So it, what we did is we would all sit in a row and we took change and, and put it in our hand, you know, a bunch of quarters or uh, nickels, whatever. And as you fall, because you're going faster than gravity, you could watch the, the quarters or the change or whatever it is, basically like float and levitate directly in front of your face. And then when you started to go back up, they landed back in your hand. And I just remember that doing that over and over again. And it was just like the coolest thing. Uh, another thing that makes me absolutely love this ride is that out of all the rides in Disney, and I love, I love Rock and Roller Coaster and Everest, you know, Flight of Passage, best ride ever. Tower of Terror is the only ride that I still get nervous on. Uh, every single time while I'm waiting in line. And no other ride at Disney does that. Now, I've probably done Tower of Terror 50 plus times. And every time I'm in line, waiting to get on, especially once you're down in the boiler room, I still kind of get butterflies in my stomach. And I still have this sense of fear and nervousness that no other ride at Disney gives me. And I think that makes it truly special. Uh, a lot of that is because everything is randomized, so you really don't know you know, exactly what ride you're getting when you're falling, when you're shooting back up. Um, and that just gives me this awesome nervousness that I kind of enjoy. And, and I love that about the ride. And watching other people who are on it for the first time uh, or taking somebody on it who's never been on it is just a blast as well. Thank you guys for letting me share my story and why I absolutely love Tower of Terror. All right, let's talk about some changes that happened yeah. to Tower of Terror now. And thank you, uh, Jeremy, for your thoughts, your memories. Yes. Back in 1994, the ride only had uh, a single rise and fall sequence. 
Two years later, so in 1996, the ride was given a double drop sequence, making it twice the fright. Regardless of the number of randomized drops and lifts, each drop sequence always featured one fake drop meant to startle the riders and one complete drop through the entire tower at top speed of 39 miles an hour. Wow. In celebration of the attraction's 10th anniversary in 2004, randomized patterns of drops and lifts had been added, where the ride vehicle will drop or rise various distances at different intervals. Other ride effects, including projected images of the breaking window, wind effects, lightning flashes, the ominous blue light figures of the five ghostly original riders were added. These changes were made so that each trip of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is a slightly different experience. And the ride system was reprogrammed in 2003 to allow for a combination of four sequences consisting of randomized drops and lifts. When guests enter the drop shaft, a computer randomly chooses one of the four drop profiles. That's cool. Yeah. So it's always, it's different every time you ride it. Kind of like Star Tours, you get different scenes. Like this, you never know when you're going to drop, how high you're going to go. Yeah. Well, plus you can't even tell because you're in the dark. Yes. Like with Star Trek, it's different. You can tell if you got the same one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this you like can't this. tell. Yeah, it's hard to remember. Oh, I had that same exact sequence oh, back it when went I went up. 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, 2009, it was that. Oh, look, 2019. Oh, same thing. <laughs> In February 2010, uh, Disney announced that the Tower of Terror would receive new lighting effects and a new addition as part of a summer entertainment package called Summer Nightastic. The fifth dimension scene was mostly covered in black tarps with fiber optic stars and Sterling voice was removed from just before the drop profile, replacing it uh, with music played in the drop shaft, along with a projected picture of the riders just before they enter the drop shaft. Similar to the California and Paris versions of the ride, the riders disappeared, leaving an empty elevator. A new drop profile was created for Summer Nightastic and replaced the other drop profiles on all rides. The profile mainly consisted of utilizing the entire tower of the drop sequence as compared to the numerous fake and shortened drops in the randomized version. The changes were implemented on June 5th, 2010, but were officially introduced the day after, and all changes were temporary and last until August 14th, 2010. So that was only a mm. like a one-month, uh, two-month thing. Yep. Cool. All right, we're going to hear now from the Disney DNA podcast, Trent and Jenny, uh, about their thoughts on Tower of Terror. Hey, it's Trent and Jenny from the Disney DNA Podcast, and we want to share with you a funny story about Tower of Terror. So let me give you a little background on the story and set it up. So 2014 was the first trip we took with the girls, and they were six and eight, and both of them, Brooklyn and Sophia are girls' names, both of them refused to ride the Tower of Terror. They were very scared. Yes. Like, they didn't even want to get near it for Trent and I to do parent swap, so I did not get a ride it that year. But in 2016, when we took them back, they were then 8 and 10, almost 8 and 10. Right. Sophia is the youngest and Brooklyn is the oldest. So Brooklyn ended up being sick the day before. Okay, the story is going to take place on Thursday, which is Thanksgiving. But Wednesday, Brooklyn got sick and she was told at the emergency room she could do the rides and stuff. Nothing roller coaster, no dropping or anything like this. So while I am at the emergency room with Brooklyn on that Wednesday, Trent and Sophia... We go to Animal Kingdom. Yes. And in the meantime, I'm getting texts from Jenny about, hey, we're at the hospital. Yeah. And B's not doing too good. She's got a slight concussion. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, parent kicks in. Mm -hmm. So here I am with a young daughter who's ready to go ride some attractions. And I have to play dad in the back of my mind. Yes. And see these very heartwarming 
in a tense like a tense situation of how's my child doing while having to not say babysit but you know take care of the youngest daughter and have fun with her and keep her mind off of what is going on in the background right and to keep her mind off of what's going on he convinced her to ride expedition everest Yes. And she <laughs> loved it. Sophie had such a good time. She was so excited that she had ridden it. By the time we all four met up together on that Wednesday night, she was like, I'm so brave. This was so awesome. I loved it so much. I can't wait to do the Tower of Terror. That's right. Now, just to set this up, Sophia likes to talk a lot of smack. <laughs> she, she is our smack talker. So, I mean, all Wednesday night, she talked about how brave she was and how much fun she had and how she was so excited for the Tower of Terror. So Thanksgiving Day, we go to Hollywood Studios. We get into the park. She's still smack talking. It's going to be a breeze. She is so brave. (laughs) This is the best thing ever. Brooklyn, I'm so brave. Like she kept saying how brave she was. And the closer we got to Tower of Terror. The the story began to change. Right. She got quieter and quieter and there was less smack talk. And she was just like halfway there. She was like, I don't know. Maybe I should just stay with Brooklyn. It's not really fair that I get to ride it and she doesn't. (laughs) And then we stop and get a photo pass. (laughs) And this is the turning point of the story. So if you could see this picture of the four of us, you would see all of us smiling, but one person. Except her. Yeah, she was mad. She did not want to ride the Tower of Terror. All of that courage that she had just seconds before was gone. How could we drag her on that? She doesn't want to do it. She just wants to stay with Brooklyn (laughs) and me. And I said, no, no, you're riding it. Like that, you said you were going to ride it. You're going to ride it. Your daddy wants to ride it. You're riding it. That's right. So Trent and Brooklyn, no, Trent, I had Brooklyn. Trent and Sophia go and ride Tower of Terror. Yes. So the whole time She's very clingy. She is not talking and she is, you could tell she's sweating it out. She's very nervous. So as we go to board our little box and we sit in, I think it was in the back row and uh, kind of in that little back right corner. Yeah. So we're kind of going along and those who ride with me know I am the perfect ride along person because I know where all the drops are, where everything is. So the whole time I'm talking to her calming her down so here comes that part where you go up and up and up (laughs) and up and she is like freaking out to herself she's not really screaming anything she's just really really calm next thing you know deep breaths that's what i told her just take deep breaths well the well this is the part where the doors open and you get your picture and stuff taken and that part is where those random drops come in and she did really well surprisingly i mean she had a couple little little screams but she told me after we got off how much fun she had but she had a little trick so this is the trick that she told me i thought this was kind of funny so for her to not have such such a bad time she had kind of laid her head back a little bit because she's so short she could almost rest her head on the top of Mm -hmm. the chair that you're sitting in so she looks up during those drops and it made it easier for her for those drops and how they're different every time you ride it. She said she focused on, there was a, like a screw or a bolt or something in the ceiling that she can see. That's right. And that's what she focused on. But when they get off, Brooklyn and I are waiting 
in the part where you can see your picture and everything. And Brooklyn and I were like, oh, how do you like it? And she was like, that was the best thing ever. I can't wait to write it again. I love that thing. So on the way out, walking back down Main or the street, we run into the same photo pass person and then have a photo with her all smiling and everything. And the photographer was like, I told you, you were going to love it. <laughs> So last year when we rode, again, it was actually Brooklyn's first time riding and Sophia's second time. So she was the whole, you know, don't be scared of the story. The hotel part is a lot of fun. And this, you need to close your eyes and put your head back or you need to focus on one point. It's going to be great. And she really was a champ the second time. She had all her courage and she kept it all the way through and really enjoyed it. So That's right. So that's our story of mm -hmm. our family on Tower Terror. Thank you, Chet and Jenny. Be sure to check out the Disney DNA podcast. Yep. All right, so we're going to go kind of walk through the ride now that we went through the history. I'm out. <laughs> Sit down. Come on. Go ahead, Sparrow. So guests make their way through the Hollywood Tower Hotel through the front gate. Guests then walk along a cracked, curved pathway that leads to a hotel. The pathway goes past overgrown gardens, sign pointing to, to the stables, a bowling green, tennis courts, and swimming pools, and a vine-covered pavilion. Most parks, the 1930s, in most parks, 1930s jazz music plays in the queue area. Entering through the hotel's front doors, guests encounter an interior designed to give the impression that the Hollywood Tower Hotel has been left untouched since the night of its closure. The lobby is covered in dust and draped with cobwebs and throughout there are signs of the hotel's abrupt closure past the desk the main elevators are in are in a dilapidated state and signs read out of order guests are informed by bellhops that their rooms are not ready yet and they are then ushered into the hotel library which houses the hotel's collection of books antiques an old television set and various pieces of Twilight Zone memorabilia scattered about the room. Through the library window, guests can observe a severe thunderstorm raging outside. With a crash of thunder and lightning, the power suddenly goes out, except for the television set with crackles into life and plays the opening sequence from the fourth and fifth seasons of the Twilight Zone, hosted by Rob Sterling. The episode goes on to depict the events of the stormy night in 1939. As the video plays, a lightning bolt crashes the tower and causes five people, a celebrity couple, a rising child star, her nanny, and a hotel bellhop to vanish from the elevator, along with an entire wing of the building. The scene then cuts to the out-of-order elevator and digitally altered footage of Rod Sterling from It's a Good Life. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight a dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Hollywood, 1939. Amid the glitz and the glitter of a bustling young movie town at the height of its golden age, the Hollywood Tower Hotel was a star in its own right, a beacon for the show business elite. Now, something is about to happen that will change all that.
on an evening very much like the one we have just witnessed. Tonight's story in the Twilight Zone is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. This, as you may recognize, is a maintenance service elevator, still in operation, waiting for you. We invite you, if you dare, to step aboard because in tonight's episode, you are the star. And this elevator travels directly to the Twilight Zone. The television then turns off and guests are directed through the boiler room, where they await the maintenance service elevator's arrival. Rod Sterling's voice greets passengers the moment the elevator door closes, saying, You are the passengers in a most uncommon elevator about to ascend into your very own episode of The Twilight Zone. The elevator rises for a few seconds before coming to its first stop. The door opens to reveal a long, dimly lit hotel corridor with overgrown plants and doors to guest room, with morning newspapers and room service trays outside along its length. There's a single window at the opposite end of the corridor. A violent thunderstorm is raging and lightning flashes outside the window. The five missing passengers from 1939 appear for several moments, turning to face the elevator and beckoning the guests to join them. Then they disappear in a burst of electricity. The corridor fades away, but the window remains until it appears to be floating in a dark field of stars. The window morphs into the window from the season five opening sequence that breaks. Do you guys remember this scene? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Did you watch it when you went on or were your eyes closed, Stitch? <laughs> did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, like, it's like where the, like, the projections of the people and like you're going through the... Yeah, I yeah. remember that. It's cool. It's like where it goes forward. Even before that, like you go up and it's the scene where it looks like you're, you're looking down the hallway of the hotel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it, the hallway disappears and the window comes like coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. It's really... They do a really good job. Stitch didn't like it. We all know. I'm a bad father for bringing him on that ride. Although it's his not- choice. Yes. He didn't have to come. He chose to come. No, I said no. Poppy made me. <laughs> Poppy made you? Okay, then it's Poppy's fault. <laughs> but it's a really cool scene. All right. Yeah. We're going to hear now from Samantha and Justin from the Monday Morning Monorail podcast about their love for the Tower of Terror. Hey, Tony, Stitch, and Sparrow. We are such big fans of your show. Thanks so much for including us in this. I would say we're almost equally as big a fan of the Tower of Terror as we are of your podcast. We just wanted to share a few thoughts on the Tower of Terror, why we love it, some good memories. Sam, what is your opinion of the Tower of Terror? Okay, so huge Twilight Zone fan, and I love the Tower of Terror. And Stitch and Sparrow, they really need to watch all of the Twilight Zone because it is a foundation for creativity and growth and development. It is. It is classic television. It is must-see TV, and it really should be required viewing. And what better way to create a creepy, eerie feeling without being overly terrifying than use it as the basis for a scary, thrilling ride. Yeah, and it's such a fun ride, and I hate motion like that, but I will always ride the Tower of Terror. (laughs) You hate drop rides. I don't like flippy, floppy, drop, no. Flippy, floppy, drop, okay. (laughs) I can tell you this, when the Tower of Terror opened back in 1994, 
I was but a wee chap of 12 years old, and I can tell you that I was kind of scared of this ride at the time, but I forced myself to go on it. I rode it with my dad, and it was such an amazing experience that I wanted to keep going back, even though every single time I got that anxious, nervous feeling in my stomach before we would ever go in. And it was really because of a lot of things. One is, what an amazing pre-show with Rod Serling, the special effects, the cue, just everything about it was so immersive and amazing that I had to force myself to keep experiencing it no matter how scared I was of it. And today, it's one of my favorite rides in Walt Disney World. Yeah, and I can tell you that whenever I went to Disney for my first time, McKenna did not want to go on the ride and I made her anyways. And in the line, I told her, I said, you stop crying about this (laughs) because I really wanted to do it and I didn't want her to to get me out of the line. (laughs) Yeah, and then we repeated that process when we took Garrett back (laughs) back in 2015. Trauma, trauma for the children. It's terrible. Drug them kicking and screaming, but it was because we knew that at the end of the day, they were going to thank us for it. Yeah, and they did. They did. (laughs) But anyway, just a few thoughts on the Tower of Terror. We love it. We hope you love it. I hope it never goes away. And watch the TV show. (laughs) Watch the TV show. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks, Samantha and Justin. Be sure to check out the Monday Morning Monorail Uh podcast, which comes out, funnily enough, on On Mondays. Mondays. Shocking. (laughs) <laughs> no, but it comes out on Monday evenings. <laughs> <laughs> no, Monday morning. All right. So now let's talk about the fifth dimension scene. Yes. Right? So we went through the hallway and then we move up a little bit. The elevator door closed and the car continues its ascent. Sterling narration goes on. One stormy night long ago, five people stepped through the door of an elevator and in one nightmare. That door is opening once again and this time... It's opening for you. The elevator stops once more. The doors open to what looks like a maintenance room, but slowly transform into a field of stars. The elevator cars merge horizontally from the lift shaft and enters a section of the ride called the fifth dimension. So this is where you start moving forward in those autonomous vehicles, which is a collection of sights and sounds and star fields, again in the style of the television show's opening sequence. A rendition of the Twilight Zone theme plays throughout. The scene ends as the elevator reaches another star field, which splits and opens much like elevator doors. The elevator enters another vertical shaft, this one pitch black. Sterling's voice is heard again, saying, You are about to discover what lies beyond the fifth dimension, beyond the deepest, darkest corner of the imagination, in the Tower of Terror. You doing okay, Stitch? Oh, he's leaving. <laughs> no, no, I'll stay. It's, it's pretty much done. Now we're on to the drop sequence. On the last word of Sterling's narration, the elevator starts its drop sequence. Rather than a simple gravity power drop, like we mentioned, it pulls you down, causing most riders to rise off their seats, held down by their seatbelt, which is why they don't hit their head. <laughs> At least once during the drop sequence, Wide elevator doors in front of the riders open to reveal a view of the park from the height of 157 feet. This is also where your picture gets taken. Yeah. However, the drop is only 130 feet, the height of the 13-story building. In the Hollywood Studios version, the back of the Hollywood Tower Hotel sign partially obstructs the view. And the on-camera, the on-ride camera is located here, like we said, recording a video and a picture for you. After a series of these drops have been made, the elevator backs up into the basement of the decrepit Hollywood Tower Hotel past a curious array of abandoned items, including many Twilight Zone Easter eggs. 
A short clip plays showing elements from the season 5 opening sequence along with the 1939 elevator passengers and Rod Sterling falling into the vortex seen in episode in the season 3 opening sequence. Except we missed that part because I wanted to get off the ride right away. <laughs> we just walked right past it, right? Sterling's voice says, A warm welcome back to those of you who made it and a friendly word of warning. Something you won't find in any guidebook. The next time you check into a deserted hotel on the dark side of Hollywood, make sure you know just what kind of vacancy you're filling, or you may find yourself a permanent resident of the Twilight Zone. The ride elevator then rotates 90 degrees and parks itself at a set of exit doors in the building's actual basement. Guests exit the elevator here, leaving the hotel through the gift shop. Of course you go through the gift shop. After this, the ride we missed the gift shop again because I I wanted to get out. After this, the ride elevator travels empty back into the dark shaft so it can return to the loading area. On leaving the elevator, guests are led through the hotel corridor towards what would appear to be an old lost and found desk of the hotel. However, it is now where photos taken on the ride can be purchased. Of course, now it's all on your um, magic band and you buy it through PhotoPass. Beyond this desk, guests pass a cracked fountain to the left, and on the right can be seen the Hollywood Tower Hotel's dining room, previously called the Sunset Room. The menu placed outside the closed double doors is dated October 31st, 1939. Guests then enter the gift shop to tower merchandise. The shop, in keeping with the theme of the hotel, has cracked walls and is dimly lit. There, guests may purchase Twilight Zone merchandise and Hollywood Tower Hotel-themed souvenirs, including hotel bathrobes and slippers. On August 13th, 2014, the ride's on-ride camera began recording video so that riders can purchase a a photograph or video of their ride. This was the first ride at Walt Disney World to offer on-ride videos. All right, let's hear from Matt Merlino from the Love of the Mouse podcast about the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror and uh, a school trip he went on with it. Matt, as you may remember, also designed our logo, so be sure to check out his podcast. It's a great one. Hey, guys, this is Matt Merlino from the Love of the Mouse podcast. Love the show. So glad I can help you out with this. Uh, my favorite memory from Tower of Terror came from my senior year of high school in 2013 when I was on a trip with the high school band. I was the videographer for them. And it was my my second time at Disney World, my first time at Hollywood Studios. And I just fell in love with the entire park. That was when they had all the animation stuff. But that's besides the point. This is all about Tower of Terror, and if anybody out there listening knows me, they know that I am terrified of heights, and I get clammy even walking on the second story of a mall when there's the openings to the first floor. It, It's crazy. So the first time I was on Tower of Terror was an experience, that's for sure. And I ended up riding with two of my best friends in high school. I ended up going to college with them as well they're still some of my best friends so with them i got to experience it i got to experience it with my high school video teacher Um, so we all rode together we were all in the photo together i remember it distinctly because i was terrified and the ride photo is one of the things that my video teacher still has in his office to this day because he couldn't pass up buying it because at that time they were still offering the printed pictures at the park so i'm sitting there in a buzz light year sweatshirt full garb mouth wide open in pure fear and it's still the only ride that i scream like a little girl so 
I have a love-hate relationship with the Tower of Terror, but the one cool thing is I still have the paper fast pass from the first time I ever rode because I asked if I could keep it. So that's that's pretty cool. I have it right at the front of my my ticket box, which I just finished putting together. So that's my spiel on Tower of Terror. I'm so glad I could help you out and share this story with you guys. If you are looking for some more Disney, you can tune into the Love of the Mouse podcast. We will be returning for season two very soon. So thank you guys for doing this. Keep up the great work. All right. Thanks, Matt. Remember? Yeah. Check out Love of the Mouse podcast. Season two has started. All right. You want to go over some fun facts about Tower of Terror? Yes. All right. In an effort to be true to the spirit of the Twilight Zone, Disney Imagineers reportedly watched every episode of the original television show at least twice. The attraction building. That's us are, with Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more than twice. You guys have seen. Oh, we've seen at least episode five times. The attraction buildings are littered with references to Twilight Zone episodes. So we'll go through some of those now. I won't go through all of them because there's actually quite a bit. Oh, wow. The Mystic Seer machine from the episode Nick and Time can be seen sitting on the high shelf in the libraries near the television. The book title To Serve Man from the episode of the same name, To Serve Man, is seen in both libraries. Chalk marks can be seen in one of the walls of the waiting area that leads to the elevator unload, a reference to the episode Little Lost Girl. In Walt Disney Studios, this can be found in the upper level of the boiler room next to the attraction warning signage. Periodically, the girl's voice can be heard calling out for help from the wall. The slot machine from the episode The Fever is seen on the unload area. Although not a reference to Twilight Zone, there's a felt letter board with the hotel's directory located between the inoperable elevators in the lobby with missing letters that have fallen to the bottom of the board to spell Evil Tower. After the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001, Disney Imagineers opted to remove those letters at the bottom. The board remains unchanged still with missing letters that would spell Evil Tower. However, since the removal of the aforementioned message, the board will occasionally have letters spelled You Are Doomed. Er doomed. Er doomed. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Er doomed. (laughs) (laughs) The attraction was featured in the Disney Channel 1994 Halloween edition of the Walt Disney World Inside Out, hosted by Scott Harriet, where guest star Gilbert Gottfried set out to experience the Tower of Terror himself. Uh, Following the attraction's success, Walt Disney Television produced a TV film that we mentioned, Tower of Terror, starring Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst, based on the attraction and not the Twilight Zone itself. It is Disney's first film based on one of its theme park's attractions and only made for television. Like we said before, many scenes were filmed at the Hollywood Studios, where it was still named MGM, Disney MGM Studios. The pre-show includes a little girl holding a hidden Mickey in the form of a Mickey Mouse plush toy. This one appears again in the corridor scene. The elevator has an inspection certificate signed by Mr. Cadwalder, uh, the sinister dealmaker from the episode Escape Clause. The first inspection date of the elevator is October 31st, 1939. The, the very last sa- inspection date. Oh, thank you. The last inspection date in the elevator is October 31st, 1939, the very same night that lightning struck the Hollywood Tower Hotel. The certificate number is 10259, a nod to October 2nd, 1959, the date that Twilight Zone first aired. Picture, if you will, a phrase Rod Sterling often used in various Twilight Zone episodes appears in the area where guests purchase their on-ride photo in Hollywood Studios. This phrase appears in the area where guests can scan their park ticket or magic band to get their photo a ride. Yeah, and as we mentioned before, you could actually see the Tower of Terror from Epcot. 
Yeah. All right. Let's hear from Michael and Craig from Connecting with Walt podcast as they share about their love of the Tower of Terror and a few more fun facts. Hello to all our friends at the Disney Discussions Podcast. I'm Michael. And I'm Craig. And we are the hosts of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. We are very happy to have been invited by Tony, Sparrow, and Stitch to share our favorite memories and fun facts about the Tower of Terror. Now, Craig, we've talked quite a bit on Connecting with Walt about this being one of your favorite attractions. Yeah, it's... I. I firmly believe that at least the version in Walt Disney World still may be the best attraction that is at Walt Disney World from from every sense uh, of what you would look for in an attraction. The, the story is there. There is just intricate imagineering. There's there's the thrill aspect to it that I, I think some people find more thrilling than others like i drop rides don't quite bother me that much but i know other people who just absolutely cannot do it at all but i just for me it, it hits every single detail that you could possibly want it's immersive as soon as you walk into the queue and you start to hear the the old music from the era and then continue on into the hotel where it really does look like like a long abandoned hotel like it just it pulls you in further and further to the point where you you get to board your elevator that you really do feel like everything around you is real and that it's just brilliant imagineering and in every way shape and form so that's why i i think it's the best i, I know there's other attractions out there that that come close to it but in my opinion it's it's still the absolute pinnacle of of imagineering at, at least as it goes in walt disney world i know i know the disneyland one wasn't uh beloved by everyone i liked it but i was so used to the, the walt disney world version that that the, when i finally rode the disneyland version it felt so new to me that i think i could appreciate it from that side and uh, same went with the one in Disneyland Paris. It's having the uh, the French aspect to it, at least for the uh, the the video inside the the library. That that added a nice different twist to it. So uh, they done differently in different ways in different places. It's just I go back to it every single time. Any anytime someone asks me what my favorite attraction is, it's it, all around. I think it has to be has to be the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't particularly enjoy the drop experience on this attraction, but I do enjoy, like, yeah, I enjoy the amazing attention to detail that the Imagineers put into this attraction. And I remember the original Twilight Zone television show with Rod Serling, yeah. and I love all the references to the episodes that are throughout the oh, yeah. lobby and and library and other places and i really wish that disney hollywood studios offered a before hours tour of the lobby and library um, just pointing out all the homages to the television show i would i would pay for that tour and um, oh, and like absolutely. you yeah yeah and, and like you you know i i love jazz music so i also like the eerie jazz music loop that plays in the lobby you know, to sort of set the mood of what's to come. Oh, yeah. I don't believe they've changed up the loop ever, but, like, they have a little bit of Glenn Miller in there. 
So mm-hmm. they just like nail the big, uh, big band era with that. Uh, they, I believe, they have the songs we'll meet again. They just nail the music. Yeah, and it oh, and it sounds eerie, like it's caught between dimensions. Yeah, you yeah, know, no, it's, it's, it sounds just a little fuzzy. That's I love that touch. Exactly. It's it's not it's not brand new uh, Apple Music versions of these songs that have been completely remastered. It has it has okay. that time to it. It has that little bit of echo in the the songs. It's just it, it is eerie when you're out mm-hmm. there waiting and it's just kind of droning on in the background. So do you have a favorite memory from the from your experience on the Tower of Terror? I I, I don't have any one particular favorite with it and that's because I I grew up with Tower of Terror, which I know a lot of people can say they did, but part of my favorite memories for it is I seem to get lucky in that I got to experience it in every iteration as it was changing. So uh, I know people would probably be like astounded. Kids who were going on it for the first time would probably be astounded to find out that for the first couple years that the attraction was open it wasn't this random drop sequence it was just you go through the story you go up and you drop down and then finally they changed it up to add on an extra bit of fear and add an extra drop and it just it's progressed so i love that i actually have was able as i was growing up and going to walt disney world that i was also able to see how this attraction has progressed and it's gotten better over time instead of staying what it it originally was i mean it was it left a big impact on me i you you mentioned the the television show that this is the attraction that made me fall in love with the show because i didn't know the show before the attraction i thought that i thought that this was an episode of a show that they adapted into an attraction so I remember watching one of the marathons on like sci-fi channel just waiting to find when the Tower of Terror episode was going to come up and of course it never did and no you have to watch the Steve Gutenberg um Kirsten Dunst yeah (laughs) and I mean it's it it was filmed right there at least there's that but but it, it you know that that sparked my love of the twilight zone and and buying it on every format possibly that i could and watching it over and over again so it's it it, no one particular favorite memory from it but i love that it's been such an important part of my life as Mm -hmm. i've i've grown up well my favorite memory actually doesn't involve me because i have a lot of favorite memories of this attraction but we were on a family vacation we took our family to Disneyland and so and then at one point in the evening our son and daughter-in-law and our granddaughter who I think was probably about six at the time and she was tall enough to ride it and they decided to take her on the attraction and they didn't tell her what it was and I guess she didn't look up and notice what was going on on the top floor when she got off that thing she just pulled back her fist and hit our son. She was so angry at him for taking her on that attraction. And she refuses to go on it to this day. That's She's great. nine now. So, yeah. Is there is there a fun fact you want to share with I, our friends at Disney Discussions about it? My two favorite fun facts, uh, going back to what you were talking about again with all the little uh, references to 
to the actual show, my absolute favorite one that I that I look for every single time that that I'm actually going through the attraction is at the finale, I guess you would call it, and when you're already down completely at the bottom of your drop and you're starting to pull back. Uh, oh, just, I thought you meant the gift shop. No, not not even quite there yet, but <laughs> uh, depending on which way your elevator's going to turn, if it's going to turn to the left, then you would look to the right, and if it's going to do the opposite, then vice versa. But I just i love looking every single time to find the uh, ventriloquist dummy that mm. is uh supposedly a reference to the the episode caesar and me so uh so much so for a while there my sister and i would even even wave at it and be like oh hey caesar so <laughs> it, it's something a lot of people know about like all of the little small references in there but i love this one because you really only have that quick moment as you're moving backwards and right before you turn. Because then once you turn, uh, it's it's out of you. Well, one of my favorite um, fun facts, it, it, it's one of those little details that guests might walk right past without giving any notice. And, you know, like, as we know, the lobby is frozen in the time and space of Halloween night 1939 when the mysterious phenomenon occurred at the Hollywood Tower Hotel. So when you're walking through the lobby, take a look at the Mahjong um, game table. If the players had gotten up from the game, you know, after the lightning bolt struck the hotel, their chairs would be pushed away from the table. However, the chairs are positioned as if the players simply disappeared as they were playing the game. So what was the fate of the players? We may never know. I think I have a feeling. You do? Yeah. What? I think they probably went up to their rooms and they just... (laughs) But they didn't... And they were all very polite and pushed their chairs in? Exactly. No, no, no. (laughs) I I think it's much more sinister than that. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But thank you so much for inviting us to talk about the Tower of Terror, a truly unique and chilling Disney attraction. And we hope that after you listen to Tony Sparrow and Stitch, that you'll join us at Connecting with Walt, where we talk about the history of Walt Disney, his family, Imagineers, his parks and films, and all things Disney. And you can find Connecting with Walt on iTunes and at disunplug.com. And perhaps we'll see you in the fifth dimension, beyond the deepest, darkest corner of the imagination. All right. Thanks, Michael and Craig. We really appreciate it. Be sure to check out uh, Connecting with Walt podcast. It is a great podcast all about um, Disney history, the history of Walt Disney, the company itself, and you know some new stuff that's going on. Uh, it's a great podcast. Check it out. All right, you guys want to talk about the Tower Tower and other parks now? Yeah. Um, so, it is located at Disney Hollywood Studios, Tokyo Disney Sea, and Walt Disney Studios parked, and formerly at California Adventure. Except for the Tokyo Disney Sea version, the attractions are inspired by Rob Sterling's television series, The Twilight Zone, and take place in the fictional Hollywood Tower Hotel. Stitch? Happily in, in California, they took away Hollywood Tower Terror and put in Guardians of Galaxy. That's right. And some people say it's that. a better ride, too, because of that. Yeah, and at Tokyo Disney Sea, it opened September 22nd, 2006. I also saw a video of Rocket Raccoon, like, when the video's going on, blah, 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 blah. 
and then he's like, okay, I'm the only one that made it out of the tower, but but we have to go see my other friends. And like, I think I'll take this. And <laughs> yeah, he starts, starts taking stuff in the cabinet. Stuff. Wasn't Loki's helmet there? Yeah. I yeah, think so. Took, I think so. He took Loki's helmet. I think he took I don't know if he took it, but it's. I think it's a... The best Marvel character. <laughs> he's dead. This is for another episode All right. of Division. Disney began plans to add similar versions of the attraction to their newest park at the Disneyland Resort in California, Tokyo Disney Resort in Japan, and Disneyland in Paris, like Sparrow said. In California and Paris, Disney sought to use the popular attraction to boost attendance uh, at those resorts, and California and Tokyo versions of Tower Tower opened it in 2004 and then 2006, while financial problems delayed the opening in Paris until 2007. Like we said, the California version closed in January 2017. While similar in concept and theme to the original attraction in Florida, the version of Tower Tower in California Adventure, which opened in 2004 um, and closed in 2017, like we mentioned four times already, uh, and its identical clone in the Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris, uh, features some significant differences. The exterior of these rides use architectural, f- architectural features reminiscent of uh, Pueblo Deco styles found throughout Southern California during the Golden Age of Hollywood. Uh, the designs for this version were originally designed for the Paris Park. However, when California Adventure was in desperate need of an addition crowd puller, the Paris version's plans were used uh, for its version as well. The Paris and California versions were originally intended to be almost identical upon completion, but there are differences, noticeably the height of the building and the location of some rooms backstage, as well as other differences due to different construction and work regulations in France. In July 2016 at San Diego Comic-Con, Disney announced that that, uh, California version would be replaced by an attraction based on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy film series titled Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Now I have a new appreciation for it. Yeah. Which opened in May 2017 and utilizes the same structure and ride system. This is the first American Disney attraction to be based on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Uh, and around Halloween time, oh, right. they change it to Monsters After Dark, where they left Groot behind, and all the Guardians of the Galaxy have to go back and save him. That's right. That's absolutely right. And they have a monster from Thor Ragnarok in it. Yeah. That's true. The other three Disney parks with versions of the Tower Tower are unaffected right now. They're going to keep going. And Disney has stated there are no plans to change the ride in its other locations. So... Um, the one in Hollywood Studios is the best one because you got the randomized uh, ride system. You got to go forward in the dark ride. The other ones didn't have that, so I hope they keep it the same. All right, let's hear from Disney Dan yeah. from YouTube. We love his YouTube channel. Be sure to check him out with a funny story from Mission Breakout. All right, here is my Tower of Terror story for you, my favorite memory. And it's a Tower of Terror story in that it's about ride vehicles and it's about like the ride mechanics of the ride. And um, I say that and I preface that because it actually took place in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. It's not necessarily a Tower of Terror story, but the, the, the plot of the ride has nothing to do with the story I'm about to tell. I actually got stuck in Tower of Terror. The, the ride broke down uh, during the like the uh, the up and down part of the ride like when they're, they're dropping you and lifting you and dropping you and lifting you and when that happened i actually uh we, we got stuck uh i got stuck for a while and like this guy came on uh the guy came on specifically he's like hey uh we're stopping and i'm like and and everyone's like like crack like just ch- cracking jokes and talking in, in the ride vehicle and i decided to try to talk to the guy and i'm like I'm like, uh, thanks, thanks for letting us know. Uh, I, um, uh, can you hear us? 
and uh, and he like made another announcement. He's like, "Just everyone, hang tight." I'm like, "I I guess he can't hear us." And the and then the the cast members like, "No, I can hear you." And I'm like, "Oh, hey, uh, what's your name?" He's like, uh, "I forget what his name." He's like, "My name is Josh." I'm like, "All right, Josh." Uh, you keeping us safe here, buddy. And uh, and we're like staring at a concrete wall because the work lights have come on. And normally the wall's in darkness because you're going up and down very quickly. Uh, and so we're staring at this concrete wall. And uh, from around the corner of the elevator shaft, like this head pops out. Uh, and like between the concrete wall and like the ride vehicle, because the ride vehicle is like a box with, with no like front wall. Uh, and so he pops his head around. And he's like, hey, we're going to, everything's okay. We're going to lower you. Uh, and then uh, he's like, Josh, I'm, I'm here now. Let's manually lower it. And so they manually lowered it. And um, uh, we get to the bottom of the, like, they have to manually lower us from the top of the shaft to the bottom of the shaft because we're up high by the uh, the windows that open and close. And so we're, uh, where they drop us down. They slowly, it's like, as like, you know, that, that electrical, like, winch sound as the elevator slowly lowers down. And then we're, we lower down what I swear to only be approximately 20 feet 30 feet tops and we're at the we're at the ride like it made me realize that the ride shaft is insanely small and it takes very little and short i should say not small but short it's not a huge drop at all you just go up and down pretty quickly uh and they repeat it a bunch of times and so you get this false illusion that it's a lot like higher and a lot longer than you think it is um, which I thought was really interesting um, because the one in California does not, the ride vehicle doesn't leave the shaft and enter another elevator shaft. It all takes place in one up and down uh, shaft. It's like a, your typical drop ride. Anyway, so that's my favorite memory, getting stuck on uh, Mission Breakout. But it was all about like witnessing the mechanics of the ride and like having the fourth wall broken because, you know, a cast member's head popped around the wall and we were able to talk to, talk to Josh, who stopped responding after I learned his name. I kept calling out to him like, Josh! Can you hear me? Talk to me, Josh. Tell me a joke or something. And the whole, the everyone in the ride vehicle was laughing and carrying on. Anyway, you asked for my story. I'm telling you my story. So here's my story. Disney Dan signing off. Thanks, Disney Dan. Be sure to check him out on YouTube. Subscribe to his channel. Yeah. All right. So now I want to get into some memories that we have and other people have. Cat Caraway sent us a voicemail that you could do on our website. Just go to our website, DisneyDiscussions.com. You can leave us a voicemail. We'll play it at any time. But let's listen to her memory about Tower of Terror. Hey, guys. My name is Cat. I love listening to you guys. So I wanted to share with you my favorite memory from the Tower of Terror. It's actually my favorite ride. So I try to ride it as many times as I can. Well, one time I went to Disney World when I was seven years old with my family of five. I had a younger sister and an older brother, and I wanted to go on the Tower of Terror regardless of how scary it sounded when those people were screaming, flying past the window, going up and down on the ride. So my dad decided to take me. I'm a huge daddy's girl, so my dad was always the coolest person to me. Well, when we got on the ride, he told me to watch this, and he pulled a penny out and sat it on his knee. And whenever we started to fall, the penny floated in front of our faces. And I thought he was magic. I was convinced he was like a sorcerer or something. So it was just really cool. Well, I went for my bachelorette party last year before I got married. And I took a couple of my friends on the ride. And I tried to do the penny trick. But it didn't work out as well for me. Because on the picture, after the ride, all you can see is me bending down, trying to retrieve that penny that kept floating around every time we fell. But it's pretty fun, and again, that's my favorite ride. So I'm actually headed to Disney World right now, driving through Florida, and I cannot wait to ride it again. Thanks so much, guys. All right, thanks, Kat. 
Uh, appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember a memory where my my cousin went on it, and she said she liked it when she got off. She, but in the ride, she was full of tears, full of tears. She was freaking out. She got off. She said she liked it. We all asked her, "Do you want to do it again?" She shook her head firmly and yelled, "No." <laughs> That's right. That's right. And that's how you know she doesn't. She said she likes the ride, but he asked her if he, she wants to do it again. She'll say no. But then again, <laughs> she says she likes every ride. Yeah, because she wants to make people think she's, she likes every single ride she goes on, but she will not like some, and she will say, no, I do not want to go on it again. So, Sparrow, do you remember the first time you went on this ride? I did. All right, you want to tell us about it? It was awesome. I loved it. Um, Would you... Well, I was right next to him. He was screaming. I thought he didn't like it. I was screaming. This is awesome. I know, but <laughs> once I heard the whole thing, I was like, he doesn't like it. And then he's like, oh, he's screaming. This is awesome. He likes it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like right next to me. I was like, he doesn't like it. He likes it. <laughs> yeah. So me and your Uncle Jason and Aunt Lauren, and I think Alex, right, wrote yeah. it first because you would... you. Refused to go on it at first. Well, Both plus you. we were eating still, and I didn't want to leave. Right, but you didn't want to go on. So then I think we're online to see Olaf. Yeah. And then you decided, all right, I'll do it. I'll go on Tower of Terror. And Which I- actually convinced Poppy to go on, too, because Poppy does not like those kind of rides at all. But because you were going and Stitch was going. No, I, I didn't decided. want to, but Poppy, my Poppy convinced me to go right. on. She was like, go on. So I, I keep on saying no, but... Then he made me do it, so I was like, fine. <laughs> fine, I'll do it. Oh, and at one point when the doors opened, he was bracing himself like this for some reason. Yeah. He was like, who? Uh, me? No, Poppy. But I remember that. I remember you guys being brave, and you loved the ride oh, after that. Awesome. And then I think after that, you started going on more adventurous rides. Like, that's when you went on Expedition Everest the next day or two. No, I thought I, Everest was before. I don't know, I don't know anymore. And I hated it. <laughs> Oh, let's when I stopped being adventurous with rides, actually. Right. <laughs> In Christmas time, they they do some stuff on the Hollywood Tower of Tell. Do you want to talk about that, Stitch? Hollywood, and they have a a Toy Story thing where they re they they kind of like make some of the letters in Tower go away to spell toy. That's right. They do and projection. And like Hollywood toys. Toy Hotel. And then it's like all covered with toys and stuff. And they do other projections too during Christmas time. They have uh, Mickey and Minnie. They have, um, I think, a Muppets thing, right? Mm-hmm. They do a whole bunch yeah. of Yeah. So. Smurfy, <laughs> The Swedish chef. Yeah. And I heard it's really good. We haven't seen it. We've seen videos of it and it looks pretty good. So yeah, check that Muppet out. Thing, if you're there you around could, ho- uh, holiday time. Sorry. The Muppet thing, you could see Swedish chef's hands like building, turning it into a gingerbread house. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. We had some memories from Twitter as well. Uh, that we'll go into. So our friend Kirk at Logan54K on Twitter said, I'll never forget the time I took my son in Tower Terror and afterwards he told me he would never trust me again. So it sounds similar to you, he's, Stitch. Yeah, he's my friend and Pluto. We, yep, uh, Pluto. We have the same opinions about a lot of things. <laughs> this is one of them. John Welch on Twitter at LovinDisney08 said, My favorite Disney attraction. So many great memories. First time riding it. I got the seatbelt, brave seat, when there were lap bars on it. 
Grape tap baptism. LOL. I wrote it 13 times in one day Whoa. once and choreographing what to do during the videos is always a big family debate. Oh my wow, gosh. 13 times. That's amazing. Although that number kind of fits with uh, the ride, right? How? 13. 13 is like an unlucky number. All right. At huh. UK Disney. Why is it an unlucky number? It's I don't know what odd? this is. It's yeah. odd. It is yeah. Odd, yeah. Uh, it's very odd. <laughs> At UK Disney Vlog says it's my favorite ride. I'll never forget the first time I went on it as a teenager with the family. And then the first time I took my daughter on it. Took her two years to ride again. And then she sent a picture. Pretty funny. She's screaming on the top of her lungs. I won't scream on the top of my lungs. But I made a... Do you guys have anything else you want to share about the... No. No. Tower of Terror? No. 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 All right. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Please be sure to tell your friends and family about us and to rate and review us wherever you listen to us. If you want us to do more in-depth Disney discussion dives, discoveries, dumpster diving discoveries. I'm not going to any dumpsters. Uh, If you want us to do more of these kind of special episodes, let us. Unless it's Disney dumpsters. If you want us to do, yeah, that's true. I would would go in Disney dumpsters. (laughs) If you want us to do more of these kind of episodes, let us know. We'd be happy to do it. Uh, Maybe we do one on Carousel of Progress, Small World, that kind of stuff. It'd be fun. We can call it Disney Dump Dive if we're talking about something that's defunct. Dump Dive? Mm -hmm, Because it's like like they don't use it anymore. It's like thrown away. Yeah, but this is still in place. I know. I don't don't think I want to put dump in the title of one (laughs) of our episodes. Anyway. Dump. Special thanks to all the guests that are on our show. Be sure to check them out. Each of those podcasts, I'll have link in, links in the show notes for that. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcast or play. Just search for Disney Discussions. Be sure to subscribe. We have some t-shirts, like we mentioned before. Matt Merlino uh, designed a logo for us. We have that in a shirt. We have a new Aloha shirt uh, on there, or you could buy it as a sticker. Should Be sure to check that out. Go to shop.disneydiscussions.com. Search for, search for us on social media, Disney Discussions. We're there. You know what would be cool? I still wouldn't like the ride, but you know how in the video, five people disappear in the elevator? It'd be cool if they let pe- five people out of the ride in the video room. Like, there's a flash of light. It says in the video, like, how many people are in the room. The, like, that max. And then... There's a flash of lightning, and then and then they let five they let five people out, and like soon there will be five less people. And <laughs> yes, but they can't let people out of the rock no, yeah. while it's moving. It's dangerous. I know, but no, it would no, be cool if like no, five like, people disappeared. No, like in the video room, like the library room, they could let. Oh, them out. I see. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, they're like like the five most scared people. You're out. You're out. You're <laughs> out. And you're out. <laughs> no, just you could. They just pick randomly. Well, but then that would be kind of disappointing. Like, what if it's your first time and you get picked and not go on the ride? Yeah. They would pick the five most scared people on the ride. That's probably the first people. First time people. We use lots of sources for our research. We use the Disney A to Z official encyclopedia by Dave Smith. We use Theme Park Stop by Alicia Stella on YouTube. Offhand Disney on YouTube. Park Ride History on YouTube. Uh, towersecrets.com and www.nt.com. I used Wikipedia. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll see you in the fifth dimension. Hello. Ha. Congratulations. You have survived this episode of the Disney Discussion Podcast.